Hello and welcome to the Verblio Show. This is the podcast for digital agencies and digital marketers brought to you by Verblio, the friendliest content creation platform in the business. I'm your host, Steve Pakras, and I'm Verblio CEO. In today's episode, I'm talking with Jody Grossman, an organizational development coach focused on both coaching leaders to achieve their highest potential and also coaching entire teams and organizations to establish cultures with a growth mentality that maximize their potential as well. This one is particularly personal for me, as Jody has been my coach and Verblio's coach for over four years and has been instrumental in our success. We talked in May 2020. I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. I'm excited to introduce our audience to Jody Grossman, who has been my executive coach and our organizational development leader uh, for me at two companies now. I really wanted to have this be a different type of interview, which is mostly we're talking with marketers, we're talking about the, the CEOs of companies, about how they're leading through crisis. What I want to share today is one of the most critical tools that I have found in order to helping me move through crisis. We always focus on a lot of organizational development here. We think it's a key part of our operating system, um, but we couldn't think about it being any more important than it is right now. Uh, and so I wanted to bring Jody on to talk about what she does, and then we'll talk about how that's transitioning in the current time. So now that I've I've introduced you, Jody. Can you introduce yourself? Yes, you bet. I'm just so thrilled to be part of your series here and uh, joining you today. Interestingly enough, what we've worked with over the years, Steve, uh, and with my other clients are in the forefront now. And you know, I kind of like to say they're on steroids now. Of course, some of the focus has shifted, but it's all about how leaders can show up most effectively and rally their organizations to be as productive, as innovative, as results focused and results delivering as possible. While some of the topics that we're coaching on now have shifted because of the pandemic, the underlying presence is how do you show up to be the most effective leader and now bringing in even more empathy than you may have before as a leader. How did you get into this line of work? What is your background? Well, it's interesting because my undergraduate degree is in um, environmental biology and conservation. I really thought I was gonna be a park ranger. And then I realized, yeah, not so much um, am I interested in doing law enforcement, which is a big part of that job. But what I did learn in that environment was that all things are connected. That's basically what ecology is. And in organizations, all things are connected. All the different functions are connected. You pull on one function, something changes, it affects the other. So it served me really, really well as I shifted from working in environmental education, which is my first career um, with the Audubon Society in Boulder County Parks, into working mostly in tech companies. What I learned working in initially in Boulder County Parks and in, in the Audubon Society was that I was a leader but I had no authority. I was accountable for big outputs, but I didn't have any direct reports. So it was very good for me to learn how to be able to influence and make things happen, regardless of whether or not I had authority. In the tech organizations that I transitioned to, I was mostly working around leadership management and professional development, training, talent management. Five years ago, I parlayed all of that experience into becoming an executive and team leadership coach and culture development consultant. So here I am. Cool. So I know the benefits of this very well because I'm a deep believer. But for those uh, those leaders who are who are watching this, can you 
uh, give the high level of what what they should ex- what value should they expect to see for their organizations by working with uh, an executive coach like yourself for them and for their organizations the impact in working with a coach is to be able to identify where they have strengths that they can utilize even more effectively than they may be now and then also to identify their blind spots, where they're kind of getting in their own way, how they're showing up in ways that they may not even know is preventing them from being as optimally effective as possible. So that's one thing that we start engagements with is self-awareness through doing interview-based 360s. And then identifying from those 360s as well as what their manager or what their board expects for them as a leader, what's most important. So we focus on the few critical behaviors um, and outputs that they must deliver on and do so effectively. I think a lot of people understand the concept of executive coaching because a lot more people have done that than the concept of managing or coaching for an entire team of how we communicate. Mm-hmm. And so I think executive coaching, everything you just said could not be more true. It's been a key learning for me of how to develop as a leader is how to communicate better, more clearly, how to focus on how I'm actually being heard versus what I mm-hmm. think I'm saying to be heard. Yeah. Um, and I really love the concept that you've brought to us, which is showing up. How do you want to show up every single day? Even if you're having an off day, how to communicate that? I think the team coaching piece of it is really distinct of what you do. And I'd highly recommend for other companies, yeah. which is managing an entire team because all of us come from a different point of view. We're all going to be stepping in and uh, interpreting things differently. And so if we're all understanding each other a little better and taking a step back to make sure we're really understanding what we're communicating and being more intentional about what we're trying to say, it increases the speed of trust. So our, our operations work a lot more quickly. We trust each other more. We don't get stuck as much. And then we don't ruffle each other's feathers near as much. And we can get so much more done together. It basically gets rid of all of the painful parts about bringing so many people together and it increases the, the most enjoyable part. Yeah, you know, um, you said it better than I did, Steve. The fact that uh, you've engaged me to work with your whole team, not just you as the leader, so it's more systemic. It kind of like goes back to that whole ecology thing. So yeah, you've created this wonderful framework and language that you all can use and rely on as a result of our work together. And um, I've seen it pay off for you. The other highlight reel that I will share with others is that uh, my team finds it really valuable. It's a retention tool, not just because of the skills they are getting to communicate with each other, but we're investing them and it's about as clear as an investment as possible. Why I think Jody is amazing and that you should all work with Jody or somebody like her. For those who don't um, and personally can't, these are tight times. This is a tough time to think of expanding your budget. What should managers be thinking about now more than ever. You know, I'll just share with you what the leaders I'm working with are sharing with me now more than ever. I would say first and foremost, right now, it's stress and taking care of themselves. You know, the buzzword is self-care. I like to think about it as putting your own oxygen mask on first, that you absolutely cannot lead effectively if you are emotionally, physically, mentally depleted. Ask yourselves, what are your energy reserves? How can you fortify them? How can you put your own oxygen mask on first? It's so super important right now so that you can show up and 
not be rattled or derailed by default behaviors that mm -hmm. come out under stress. So it's kind of a risk management tool, I would say, Steve, you know, how do you prevent yourself from getting triggered and, and showing up in a way like screaming and yelling during a team meeting? I've, I've known leaders that have done that um, because they haven't taken care of themselves. So step one, take care of your own stress, manage it as much as you can and do the things to make sure that you can step back so that you're as sane as possible. Um, yeah. What about managing your team of very stressed out people remotely? And once you're, once you're feeling better, how can you help them as effectively as possible? So I think there's a, a real struggle right now around what can I say? How much information can I convey? What should I say? What shouldn't I say? All these questions are sort of swirling. And I um, suggest managers and leaders think about a premise that I learned in graduate school. So I went from environmental biology and conservation into organizational communication for graduate school. And one of the things I learned and a premise I take with me all the time is information reduces anxiety. So the more truthful and honest a leader can be at any time, but even more so now with what they know and what they don't know, is absolutely critical because people are looking to them as leaders for what they know and they don't want to be hoodwinked and told false things when a leader doesn't know because that diminishes and can actually destroy trust. Mm. So I think it's being transparent and being truthful. Now, that being said, there's also a fine line with giving too much information. So for example, um, times are tough financially. We know that for most companies, that's the, the awful truth right now. Um, and yet if a leader were to say, well, it looks like in two months, we're gonna be out of money and we're gonna be having layoffs. Um, what's that gonna do to engagement and productivity? up until that time. So you have to be really careful about how you say what you're saying in such a way that it's truthful, but it doesn't put people over the edge. What are some other examples of, uh, of things that you're working with teams on right now, uh, in yeah. addition to de-stressing? Uh, so it's really interesting. I would say, thinking about my clients, I would say probably 30 to 40% of them right now uh, have brought to the table that they have to deliver really tough performance feedback and some even need to let people go. And they're terrified of doing that and coming across as cold hearted um, and, and being perceived as just ruthless and cruel. Hard at any time for many leaders to give tough performance feedback and let people go. And now there's a fear of doing it that uh, is layered on top of that difficulty of just coming up with the words. So I've been working with several of these clients around how do you stay true to what you know needs to happen, giving that feedback or letting that underperforming team member go because they're dragging down the whole organization and do it with the utmost 
heart or empathy that you possibly can. It's very collaborative. It always was to have those conversations, but now we're just practicing them. The leaders want more practice to make sure that they're saying it well and that it lands with heart. Yeah, it's got to be even more important that it lands well now and you can't leave as, can't leave nearly as much room for ambiguity that you can just make up in body language and reactions when you can see things are slightly off. Yep, exactly. And then a couple of my clients know, they knew this actually before the mm. pandemic hit that they needed to let underperforming team members go, but um, because things happened so quickly, it, they didn't take the action before the pandemic. And now they're like, oh my gosh, how can I possibly do this? I know I have to, but how do I do it? And so we talk about how can you make that their landing as soft as possible. I was thinking ahead of time before talking to you about all some of the greatest hits of your, the, 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 the themes that you keep hitting on that have been the most impactful for me. Mm-hmm. And I was hoping to give you some of those to either ask you to just go through those or to just hit you with them and have you give a quick definition and how leaders could use them. This is like our, our speed round. Okay, go. Okay. Um, go. Heart versus backbone. Oh, okay. So it's heart and backbone. It's not one or the other. Um, Heart is connecting, having empathy, putting yourself in the other person's situation that you're interacting with as a leader. And backbone is being firm in your convictions, what you know, want, think, or feel needs to happen. And there's a sweet spot for both. Too much backbone, you become rigid and you can't open yourself up to the other person's or your team's ideas. Too little backbone, you're vague and wishy-washy. Nobody knows what you're standing for and what your expectations are. Heart, sweet spot there too. Too much heart and you get overly concerned and anxious with, this is my decision. Are you okay with that decision? I know it's really tough and oh, I'm so sorry. And then, you know, you lose Uh, respect when you show up that way. Too little heart is, I don't give a damn what you think. It's going to be this way and I really don't care. So sweet spots, find the sweet spots for both, have both, know where your tendency is, and then work to get to your sweet spots. Growth mentality and the cycle of drama. Oh, boy, my favorite. So growth mindset, um, Carol Dweck out of Stanford, looking at how you view challenges and whether you persevere and stick with them or you default to, oh, it's the way it is and I don't really have to work hard and persevere. I just wasn't cut out for this. And so you never really learn and grow and build capability and capacity. The drama triangle, whether your orientation toward life is that of being a victim and being in victimhood whether you tend to go in and rescue your colleagues, your direct reports and do work for them, or whether you persecute them and blame them and point fingers and criticize. Terrible cycle to be in and those roles as a leader can shift. The antidote to the drama triangle is instead of being in victimhood, is looking at, it's very much related to growth mindset. How can I learn and grow? What can I create? out of this situation that I've been faced with. And in the pandemic, that's a lot of the coaching I'm doing right now. Yeah, this is a terrible situation for most companies and for most leaders. How can you create a better future outcome as a result of it? 
uh, instead of rescuing, coaching your direct reports on how to do what they need to do so that you're not swooping in and doing it for them and they never grow and develop. And therefore, you get stuck doing their work, which then you can become um, a victim and live in victimhood and resentment. And then instead of being a persecutor, the blaming and criticizing is having high expectations for your direct reports, success, and their outcomes and their outputs. Sounds simple when you talk about it for three minutes, but takes months and months to get through. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but you're, you and your team have really made super great strides in that area, and it's paying off with how you're being able to respond effectively to the challenges of this pandemic. The new way that you uh, talk about feedback. Oh, yes. So um, a lot of people use the term feed forward, and, and I don't necessarily use that term, but the concept is, is sort of there. So I recommend and coach leaders and um, people in organizations to give feedback um, around, here's what I appreciate about you and your role as a CEO, you as a vice president of marketing, you as an analyst. And what I think could help you to be even more effective is such and such. So it's very forward thinking. It's not looking and naming, you did this wrong, you screwed up on this. It's what you can, what you're already doing well and what you could do to be even more effective. It's so much more engaging when you give feedback that way. And then the feedback has to be super specific with the behaviors that, or outcomes that you've seen the person produce or display and um, how that is impacting them or others in a way that's not ideal and what could they be doing instead. The ability to give good feedback is so critical to every organization getting better, every individual, and it's one of the hardest things all of us do. Uh, it's shocking in my MBA program how little time was spent with something that's so critical and how much more I learned through the Not sessions. surprised. Not surprised. Um, and you call it personal development feedback. I do. I do. You're right. Um, that um, it is, again, here's another corny cliche, feedback is a gift. Well, it really is, because if you're giving feedback effectively, the gift you're giving the person is more growth and development opportunities for them to be able to build their skills and further their careers. Anything else that's on your mind that you think would be helpful for the audience to hear um, that I haven't already asked. Getting yourself centered and focused on what really, really matters right now is probably the most important thing leaders can do. And it will pay off. Any interesting or creative ways that you found to entertain yourself while in social isolation that you would have never thought of before? Well, I'm so looking forward to Mother's Day because my kids have promised to get me a Nintendo Switch, which I never, ever thought that I would do. And then the other thing is I'm getting really caught up on my Netflix series. So I just finished Fleabag uh, the other night and wow, it was awesome. I'm looking forward to the next one. Thank you, Jody. Uh, it's been a pleasure to have you. Thanks so much for talking with me. You bet, Steve. Thank you. And best wishes to you and your team as uh, you move forward through these challenges. Thank you. That's it for this episode of The Verblio Show. Thanks for tuning in. This is Steve Pockross in Denver, Colorado, signing off.